one thing that happened, I, I'll never forget this, I had a guy come in uh, to do to do a coverage for me on a weekend, right? Yeah. Over that weekend, he killed two of my patients. Straight up, yeah. He just he came wow. in, mismanaged them, I came back and they were dead, right? <laughs> one of the guys, yeah, sorry, it's a, that I, uh, one of the guys, I mean, I came in to get silent sign out from him Yeah. on Sunday night and he said, oh yeah, you know, this gentleman's been here uh, you know, he's real sleepy. You know, he's real sleepy. Yeah, we, you know, we haven't been able to wake him up, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, he's real sleepy. Like, how long has he been asleep? Oh, since, you know, Friday. You know, he really hasn't, I, I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> the guy's been asleep since Friday? Like, what have you What have you done? Oh, no, you know, he's just real sleepy, you know? We just say, I think he has a urinary tract infection. I think that's what's going on, you know? But he was an admitted patient to the hospital. He was an admitted patient, yeah. And I'm like, you think he has a urinary tract infection, but he's been unresponsive since Friday. It's now Sunday night. Welcome back to Dear Healthcare, It's You. Welcome back to the podcast. Elisha Yagmai here with us from Free State Healthcare in Wichita, Kansas. My name is Joe Hanlon. Thanks for being here, Elisha. Where we've been going is talking about your medical journey. And last we left off with you about to enter the real world as a real world doctor. And you mentioned that you ended up starting out your doctorship or how do you, what is the proper <laughs> phrasing of that? Typically you become a, you become a quote unquote attending physician. Attending physician. Atten and yeah, is that what you remain uh -huh. forever? Yeah, okay. that's right. There's different terms in different countries, but in the okay. U.S. basically you're, you're a, medical student and you're a resident, yeah. you could become a fellow after that, which is oh. another level of training if you do additional okay. training beyond your residency. And then once you're done done with whatever you're gonna do, you become an attending physician, which means you're okay. basically at the end of your, at least at the formal education part of your journey. Okay, yeah. so as an attending physician, you're mm -hmm. starting off in yeah. Parsons, Kansas, if that's I remember right. correctly. Yeah, that's right. And where is that? It's in rural Kansas. It's in southeast Kansas. Southeast Kansas. Yeah. How mm -hmm. small of a town are we talking? Uh, you know, I can't remember the population. Uh, they Ballpark, had park like. Uh, is 10, there a Walmart? Something like there is a Walmart. Okay. There is a, All right. <laughs> there is a Walmart. Yes. No Target. <laughs> There's no Target. No, no Starbucks. Nope. There, was, no. there was a Walmart and there was like a main strip downtown at the okay. time. And there might have been a little bit more, but it wasn't a huge town okay. by any means. Did it have high schools like infrastructure yeah, and stuff? Yeah, I mean like they that? had some schools. Yeah, 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 but it was. Uh, you know, I can't, I, I don't recall it because I, I more or less lived at the hospital while right. I was there, but it was pretty, um, it was a, re, you know, relatively small town. Yeah. Um, they had some amenities, but not very many. There were a couple of fast food restaurants, right? There were some stores and shops. There okay. was a Walmart that was kind of the dominant retailer for almost everything. Yeah. And then, and then there was a hospital. Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to ask, because we haven't really talked about your personal life very yeah. much in the midst of this mm -hmm. journey, yep. but obviously that's a factor. Everybody yes. has their stuff that is going mm -hmm. on outside of school mm -hmm. and out now it's outside of your work. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a point in a lot, to, a lot of doctors' journeys is having to move somewhere random. Right. And so can you talk a little bit about that of like, were you married at the time? I was, yeah. With kids or? One child. Yeah. One child. Mm -hmm. What was that combo like? Was that a expected, like, I know we'll have to go move somewhere yeah, um, at some point? So what had happened actually was my, my wife is also a physician. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we had gotten married uh, midway through the fourth year of medical school. Okay. Were uh, you in the same year? We were in school? the same year, okay. yeah. Yep. And we had, uh, we had our first child uh, shortly before, uh, about a, a little, at that point he was, I'm trying to think about what year this was. So he was, he was approaching two years old at that point. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we had, my wife had finished residency before I did. So okay. she had been out working. 
while I finished my residency. In Wichita? In Wichita, that's correct, yeah. And then I, uh, while I was finishing, she was applying to fellowship programs, had been accepted Mm -hmm. to a fellowship program up in the Northwest. Okay. Uh, And so we knew that we were ultimately going to be going there, but there was this gap of time between when I finished, um, yeah, because I I finished a little bit off cycle because I changed residencies. Right. right? So there was a little bit of credit that was passed around. So a little longer. I didn't do the full five years. I did four years and, and, and several months, right? Right. Uh, so I finished a little early, so there was this gap. And so, uh, you know, in choosing what to do at that point, you know, I opted to go out to work in rural Kansas Okay. Uh, to gain experience and then also just to have the experience of working rural. And remind me, you'd been with a family practice before, that, but that was all still, that, none of that was in rural areas, that, right? That was, all, that was residency training. Right? Yeah, so I, I yeah. came and did one year of family medicine before switching to internal yeah. medicine pediatrics, which is a different residency. It's a, it's a four-year, pro- so family medicine is a three-year program. Right. Uh, internal medicine, or med peds, as we colloquially call it, uh, is a four-year program. Okay. Right. So I did the one year of family med, then I did almost another full four years of med peds, right. Right? and then finished up my, my program there. So at yeah. that point, I was doing internal medicine and pediatrics. But but was this your first time in a rural setting for more or less? I mean, I'd gone out to do so. So you can do something called moonlighting in residency, which is where you go. You have your residency job, right? That's yeah. your main thing, and then you can go out to other places to work on the oh, side. Okay. Uh, I actually did quite a bit of moonlighting. So you can you can mm-hmm. get your medical license after you pass certain tests, uh-huh. uh, and then you can go out and work in a moonlighting capacity while okay. you're still a trainee. Uh, and people do that for two reasons, really. One is to gain experience, and the other is because usually they're broke. Right, because <laughs> it's actually being paid rather than, yeah, yeah. It's paid work, right? And yeah. so you get, uh, you, have, you get some extra money, uh, and then you also gain professional experience. So I, I worked all over. I went out okay. into some rural communities. I worked in urgent care. I worked in the neonatal ICU. I worked all, anywhere I could work, really, to try to gain professional experience because there were just there were things that you encountered going out into the real world of medicine that you really didn't see in a training environment. At least uh, I could speak only for my own training environment. We didn't see it in there, but we right. would see it when we went out into these other places. Yeah. And so you were going, going, going kind of nonstop yes. throughout all of medical school, That's which true. sounds like is always the case pretty much for people. Largely true. Yeah. I mean, so, well, this was through residency, but yeah, I mean, so, or, yeah, so some people, res- well. in some, some residents only do residency. Like that's all oh, they really? do. For Some of them are restricted by, you know, immigration rules and things like that. Okay. Others just choose not to do any moonlighting. Right. Uh, but then others of us uh, chose to do both. So we yeah. do our residency work and then we do moonlighting on top of it. Right. So then when you've now, you've become an attending physician, mm-hmm. yeah. you're in Parsons, um, what was that like? You were at a hospital as a... I was a hospitalist. A hospitalist? Uh-huh. Okay, right. so yeah. does that mean that you worked in just like the pediatrics department or all, no, all over No, basically, floating? so that, that hospital at that time had a hospital floor and then an ICU. Okay. Right, and so my job was to be responsible for the hospital, anybody on the hospital floor. Okay. Which was nearly always an adult. Yeah. They had a, they had occasional pediatric patients, which I think they'd had a local pediatrician would come in and do those admits, okay. if I recall correctly. Uh, but basically, it was adult patients that were coming in, and then on certain weekends, I'd also do the ICU. Okay. They had another doctor at that time that was covering the ICU. I would fill in periodically when she was off. Okay. And cover that as well. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, what are those shifts like? Is it like a few days a week, five days a week? No, I was Is on it... basically outside of weekends when I was off. I was there every single day. Yeah. For twelve-hour shifts. Uh-huh. Yeah, still? you'd be there. Yep, seven yeah. to seven was typical. Yeah, and, and then you'd get called at night for admission sometimes and things like that as well. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's kind of just about the job. That's not about you being new, right? That's no, no, just, no. That yeah. was the job. At the, I mean, it was basically they needed staffing, right? Yeah. Um, so I was filling in, you know, covering days and nights and just doing the whole thing as one shift. Gotcha. Yeah. And you mentioned before really, really liking your time. I w- I forget right at the moment if it was during your residency or during your uh, fourth year. I'm sorry, your third year, but at the uh, doctor's office where he just uh, left for two year, weeks. Fourth year of medical yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, was that 
a similar joy of being yes. kind of on your own, being in yeah. charge of your own profession in that way? I, I mean, you know, you're in a hospital, so, it's a so different. it was a strange my my experience. I think in I, I would say that there was a, my experience with in, in medical training was sort of an I don't I don't know if it was unusual or not. Right, I can't compare to everybody that did it. I right. can only speak for myself. Going through the early part of medical training. I, I did not appreciate how invasive medicine was, is the best way I can describe it. Medicine as a discipline is mm. very invasive in that there's a massive amount of information to know. Mm. It is always increasing. There's always yeah. new research coming out, right? And to gain skill at it, there is a point at which you essentially have to take most of the rest of your life and kind of put it on a shelf yeah. and say, I'm not going to really pay any attention to this for a while. All my other previous interests, hobbies, all the other things I used to read, right? Right. So this on the shelf. And I'm just going to have to focus on this one thing. Right. Um, you know, for people that, that like sports, I would put up the analogy of, you know, it's like the Kobe Bryant. I'm going to do 2,000 shots a day every mm. single day, right? I'm just going to yeah. get in the gym at 4 a.m. and I'm going to stay there for however long it takes. Right. And I'm going to put up my 2,000 shots and I'm going to do my drills. And I'm just going to do this every single day indefinitely, right? right? <laughs> because uh, that is what's required for me to be the best at this that I can be, right? Right. I, it's not I, like the 10,000 hours. It's not, oh, it's, it's, it's probably like way more than that. It's way more than that. Yeah, it's yeah. way more than 10,000. Yeah. And you you have to do this at, so, at some juncture, right, yeah. in your training, whether you do it early or later or the whole time, you know, it probably varies from person to person, but you have to do this. Uh, residency was the time in my progression mm -hmm. that this really happened, right? That I was like, okay, I'm not going to try to do all this other stuff. I, I had a fairly diverse series of interests yeah. all the way, high school, college, even through really? medical school. There was that point where I was like, this is the thing, and yeah. I'm just going to need to do this. Yeah. So all I did, basically, was work, Yeah. read about medical topics, read new papers, work some more, try to learn procedures, right? And that right. was just, that was basically the thing yeah. around the clock every single day did for it help years on end. With your wife being a physician also, yeah. where you were able to kind of like go back and forth and talk about things? Yes, and yeah. Have that be part of your home life kind of cadence. It also, I think, it also helped because I think it, it's uh, it's difficult for a non-physician. I think other fields probably have a similar requirement, right? Yeah. But, but for a non-physician to understand that, you know, you're going to have to put in the 14, 15 hours at the hospital. Right. And then you're going to have to spend more time reading. Right. You know, and you're not going to be around for everything. Yeah. You know what tolerance I mean? Tolerance for one another because you're needing tolerance for each other, like yes. for yourself. Yeah. Like, you have to understand for, that, yeah. you know, just the basic, right? Because a lot of, a lot of uh, physicians that get married to non-physicians, well, in general, physicians get right. divorced, right? Fairly, I don't know. Oh, the, do they? I don't know, statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. I had. I had classmates that got divorced during medical school. Yeah. Uh, you know, during, such high during demand. Yeah, they're that, gone, like, right? Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. They, these people were married to non-physicians, right? And, yeah. I, and again, I'm not commenting on their relationship. There were all, probably right, all kinds right. of reasons, right? I, I yeah. wasn't privy to it. But the, sure. but it's a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, this this person is gone. You know, the training is their main priority a lot of the time, right? right. And some people understand that, and some people don't. Like they, they right. they're just not content to be like, hey, you know, you're just going to kind of not be here for the next oh, three, four, five years, right? right. You know, yeah. and I'll just sort yeah. of wait all, around for you to come back. You know, I'll be here with the kid or, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm just yeah. going to be here and you just sort of show up when you show up. Yeah. Not everyone's good with that. Um, so having at least some level of professional understanding of, of yeah. getting, right, what this is and what it requires. Yeah, I imagine that was helpful. a huge support, honestly, probably yeah. Yeah. more than is 
easy to see from the outside of yes. having not gone through that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, having someone who understands that level of like, and then be able to be on the same page if that's my one hobby right mm -hmm. now also yeah. is medicine. Like, <laughs> you both only have one hobby. Yeah. <laughs> it's medicine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, so then what was the transition like moving into this role in the hospital in yeah. Parsons? I mean, that so was it totally different? Was it, did no. it feel familiar? Did it feel good? What was it, it like? No, it was. I mean, so that, I think I, I would describe it as that was sort of the payoff, right? Yeah. Because the payoff was I had done all of this work, mm -hmm. right? Trying to learn all the, you know, I would come in really early. I would come in early in residency to get the hardest patients. Like yeah. I would do this intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. I would try to get up as early as possible so I could come in so I could get first pick of the patients. And my oh, goal was to pick, first pick, I wanted to pick, because whoever got there first got the first sign out, right? Oh. So I would try to get there as early as I could to try to take the hardest patients. I wanted the mm -hmm. most complicated and difficult patients there were, yeah. right, so on, on my service, right? Yeah. <laughs> So this was the this is the thing, and I you know, um, and Which I'm not is hard. an early I mean, bird type person. If you're burning that's, the candle at both ends, yeah. that's hard to be like, yeah, I'll choose the yeah. hardest assignment. But yeah. like, I mean, how that's pretty wise for the, the, a young self the at problem, the time. The like, problem you have, right, is that the more you do it, you realize that you have to do this, right? Because because medicine is the analogy I've often used is it's like it's like water washing over rocks, right? Mm. You have to you have to encounter it. Let's pick a pick a diagnosis. You have to encounter it. Then you have to encounter it again. Then you have to encounter it again and again and again and again. Right? Mm -hmm. And you have to keep doing this because the whole time what you're doing is you're burning patterns into your right. memory. Right? This is what you're doing. And so you need to see. First, you need to just figure out the the drop dead obvious common diagnosis. Right? right. Like what is? Oh, okay. You know, it's just blatantly obvious what this is. First, you have to get that, right? And right. you're trying to do that through the early parts of your training. But then you have to get, well, what happens when that common diagnosis comes in, but it doesn't look like it normally looks? Right. It looks different from normal, right? Can you give an example of that? Like so I'm trying to, you know. One. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, what's an easy, well, okay. So a, a simple one would be, you know, somebody comes in uh, with heart failure, but it looks like pneumonia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the initial person seeing them says, I'm admitting this pneumonia to you, right? Okay. And then you go in and say, eh, yeah, this doesn't, you know, it's not exactly pneumonia, right? Maybe, hmm. you know, they don't have any history of heart problems, but I just don't think this is pneumonia, right? I think this is something else. Huh. Right? And then that has to trigger, From right? From indications that you're seeing in their file or in you're their looking symptoms at, You're looking at their like vital that, signs, you like... get their history from them, mm -hmm. right? You, you look at their lab studies, right? And you just say, the easiest way to describe it is... I'd put it this way, the kind of mental process that goes on is you get fed pieces of information. Right. So let's just say, we'll do it the typical way, the ER calls you up, this is from the hospital perspective, ER calls you up and says, I've got so-and-so down here, they're this age, they have these problems, and I think the diagnosis is this, they need to be in the hospital. Right? Yeah. So you go through first, do they really need to be in the hospital or not? That's a different discussion, right? Mm -hmm. But let's assume they do. Then, then you're, you're, you're taking in that information, you're taking in uh, their vitals, their history, their lab data, their imaging studies, right? right? Typically that. Um, and then you're, you're mentally sort of, uh, how can I put it? You're, you're sort of, there, there are different diagnoses that are suggested by the story. Yeah. And then mentally you're, you're sort of ranking them, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you end up with things that are equally ranked, right? Then you need to do more testing, right? But you're kind of moving up and down on a probability chart. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not a formal probability chart, right. but it is an informal probability chart. So you're saying, 
what's more likely? What's next most likely? What's next most likely, right? And in medicine, we call this a differential diagnosis, right? What's the yeah. list of things that could cause this symptom? But so many of them are rare. You look at them, you're like, yeah, that's definitely not right. it, right? Toss that one, toss you're that like one. You're like starting with the whole yeah. WebMD list. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's right. I have a headache, yeah. so you're dying. <laughs> that's right, yeah, exactly, yes. So if you have a headache, you know, yeah. it could be a brain right, tumor, right? right? Or, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a long list of other things. So you do that, and so that's the, you're working through that process of, of stratifying things and sort of ruling things in or out, right? Mm -hmm. But but to, you know, so so for example, they call you and say it's pneumonia, right? And then you, you go say, well, you know, what's the story here, right? Well, what's your story, patient, mm -hmm. right? You know, and they tell you a story and you listen to it, you know, and you say, that's not exactly, that's not a great pneumonia story, you know? It's a better heart failure story. It's like not there's a great something story. in the in yeah. stuff that's right. telling you. in their you story. Like, right? and, and I mean, I could outline specifics for you, but, you know, right. we'll, yeah, we'll spare yeah. the audience but, the technical yeah. detail, yeah. right? But it's... You know, they do that. And then you look at the labs and the labs don't exactly jive. And you look at you look at the imaging and the imaging doesn't exactly jive, right? And, right. and, and these things together. And so you say, aha, okay, here's a situation where now is heart failure a common diagnosis? Yes, right? Yeah. But it came in looking a little bit different this time. Is pneumonia a common diagnosis? It also is, right? Right. But again, it's it's not exactly fitting. So my, my point is that you see you see kind of the way we describe it, there's common presentations of common diagnoses. Right. That's but statistically what you see most of the time. Mm -hmm. Then there's uncommon presentations of common diagnoses, right? Right. And then you get to uncommon diagnoses. Right. Right. And then you get to the super rare, you know, one in a million stuff that usually takes a while to get to because you have to work through all the other stuff first before right. you can get there. But the point is that you that's medicine is a lot about that process. The practice of medicine is right. a lot about doing that mental process. That work. But yeah. the only way you can you know to use a to use an AI thing, right? The only way to sort of train yourself right. is you have to run through thousands and thousands and thousands of patients. Right. right. To pick up on all these patterns, all the variations, mm -hmm. all the things that go on. So in other words, and you know, going back to our, our discussion from a couple episodes ago, you know, I'd said the thing for me that was the unforgivable sin in medicine was really was laziness. Right. It wasn't yeah. lack of knowledge. Right? Yeah. It was laziness. And the reason for that is this, right? The yeah. only way to learn the stuff is to beat your head on it, it. over yeah. and over and over again. So you have to see patient after patient after patient. Right to just keep training yourself, right? Because it's not like, oh, you finished residency, right? And you've now seen everything there is to see and you know all the cases, right? That's right. that's totally not true, right? <laughs> there's so many yeah. more, there's so many variations. And then you see that rare thing that you've only ever read about in a textbook, right? right? You've never seen it before in your life. Yeah. Now you see it because it's the, it's the 40,000th patient that you've seen, right? right. Yeah. And that's the one where you finally got that you know, one in a million type case yeah. that finally walked in your door and you got to see it for the first time. right? right. So if you don't want to do that, right? If you don't want to do that process of running through those folks, All the time. it will be yeah. much, you will gain skill at a, generally speaking, at a slower rate. Right. You know? So as someone who did that a lot yeah. and was really proactive mm -hmm. in doing that, it sounds like of getting yeah. the bang for your buck in your, yeah. you know, your education mm -hmm. life. Uh, did you feel prepared when you went to Parsons? Like, yes. Was that a, yeah. that was the feeling? It was, yeah. I mean, there was still, uh, there were still tons seems, of things to learn. You yeah. know, it's like, uh -huh. it, to me, I'm like, man, that, that yeah. seems intimidating to be yeah. the one that's yes. up in charge of the hospital, basically yes. for yeah. a town where it's like, what if it is one of those yes. crazy cases that comes in that you've never seen before and not, you know, for anybody, but then it's you and you're new and yes. you don't know if this is, you know, you just didn't have as much under your belt. Was yeah. there cases like that that were really stressful in that way of like not having the support above you that you'd had prior? No, I, I mean, what I would say there were two things. So one was that obviously I still had, 
all the contacts, right? all the physicians that had taught me True. and trained yeah. me, right? So I still yeah. had those people. So periodically I would call them up and say, yeah. you know, hey, here's a case I'm seeing, right? And it's not going the way I would expect, you know, what yeah. can you what can you tell me, right? And very frequently, with, they didn't need to see the patient again, right? Yeah. These are people that were, you know, often 10, 15 years ahead of me. Right. Right. That many more thousands of patients, right? And those lines were, you know, those calls were answered. Exactly, right? That, so the line of communication good. was open, that's right? Good. So then, and this, this is kind of what I mean, right? But so mm -hmm. the point was that they could hear the same case that had me a little bit mystified, right? right? And be like, oh, yeah, you no, know, no, it's this, right? Yeah. This is what's going on. Do this, do that, right? Yeah. Solves the problem. That flow chart right. that's ingrained mm -hmm. in them has that pathway yeah. a little clearer because yeah. they've seen it before. It's because like. they've, they've seen so many X thousand more patients, right? Yeah. And so that stuff for them is, is there. Nice. You know, so that made it, that was one thing that was helpful. Part of it also was just the payoff to all the intensive training and work that had been done before. Yeah. Right. In terms of being able to handle things or do the procedures or whatever, diagnose things, right. That was there. Uh, and then of course, you know, there were still were situations that were, you know, stressful and learning. And it was like the first time I'd ever seen it and there was no backup of any kind. Right. And you have to work, navigate that. Right. And some of it, I think also is just the typical sort of, you know, younger, right. You're too dumb to know that you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was true that you shouldn't be doing it, but it was just I, I didn't go I didn't, option, I didn't right? go in thinking about what are all the things that could go wrong, right? Here, right? Yeah. I went in thinking about yeah. this is an opportunity to essentially test the skill that I hope I acquired right. yeah. against a challenging situation, which is being yeah. a solo person, right, mm -hmm. in a in a difficult environment. Uh, Personality-wise, do yeah. you do well in stressful situations like that of like rising to a challenge? Is I would say, a, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, you know, I, I like those, especially if I feel it's meaning, if it's meaningful. That that be the okay. There, I, I, you know, I would say I, I I wouldn't. I'm not. I think it's you know I certainly had experiences of sort of wilting right under stress. Mm -hmm. I think I, I have had that experience, but I would say that the more worthwhile that I felt that it was, yeah. Um, if it came down to probably the best way to describe it, if it came down to kind of a stamina type situation, so mm -hmm. needing to withstand this stress over a prolonged period of time, that I felt went reasonably well. Okay. You know, and yeah. so and this was that kind of environment you've right? been You're practicing for months for right, right. years for, now for all point. the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. What were some of the stressful or like just infrastructure breakdowns mm -hmm. of being in the rural setting? I mean, that has yeah. its own. It does. Yeah. So we would have. Troubles, I mean. We would have situations where, so to give you an example, like if I ordered a radiology study in the urban environment, right, I'd get the read back within an hour or two. Okay. I wouldn't get the read back for three days. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'd be sitting there saying, because it has to like. Uh, so a radiologist for, has to read the study. Right? So you have to. You didn't have a radiologist in house. So there, was, were, there was. There oh, was. Yeah. Were. But okay, the reads, but they were, the reads were just very, very slow, right, ah. and took a long time, right. So, I, so here again, right, you said there's all these differences, right, in how healthcare is delivered. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a different animal when I can order an X-ray or a CAT scan and expect to get the read back nearly immediately, right? Right, because then you might even have the patient still there waiting, right? Sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. right? So what if I order the CAT scan because I'm trying to rule out a certain condition, right? right? Well, if it takes three days for the read to come in, that means I need to keep them on the, the therapy that mm -hmm. I'm trying to remove, right? Because I need to... To verify that I need to verify they don't they're... have this before I can yeah. take this therapy away, right? Well, I can't do that oh, until I can actually get the report, right? Yeah. So if there's lengthy delays in getting the reports on my diagnostics, mm -hmm. right? And lengthy delay, incidentally, this is a very common problem in rural healthcare, uh, certainly yeah. in Kansas, but probably across the country. Yeah. It's a very common problem, right? You order the diagnostic and it takes a lot longer to get hmm. than it takes in an urban environment or, or a large kind of tertiary hospital environment. Right. And people don't, 
appreciate the difference that that makes, right? Yeah. Because again, it results in, you know, prolonged exposure to a medication that maybe you don't need, delayed right. diagnosis, mm -hmm. not making a diagnosis. People just don't order the study because they're like, this is going to take, it's going to take five days to come back. Forget it, right? I'm just going to make a guess. I'm going to make my best guess and right. we're just going to go on my best guess, right? Yeah. Because I can't get this information that if I was a hundred miles over, right, I could get very right. quickly. That would absolutely change my therapy. Right. Which in this case, there. it was like if they had had another radiologist on staff, would that have been potentially? Like, yeah, and or, I, I mean, not necessarily. Yeah, I can't to, speak to the to speak to this hospital specifically, right, right. but like mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like there's lack of time mm -hmm. and just there's constraints on maybe even the tools that are available as yes. well in some situations. But that one sounds like maybe just more personnel, like yes, in the back, of time. some kind of help, right? Yeah. And I think if I recall correctly, the doc was trying to do stuff was was trying to do interventions and other things, right? At the same yeah. time. So in other words, it's not like it's, it's not, not like the only bad, thing he's doing but, is yeah. sitting there and trying to read films, right? He's also mm -hmm. trying to do half a dozen other things at the same time. Again, shortage environment, right? So we've got yeah. one person wearing multiple hats at the right. same time, trying to satisfy all these constituencies, and yeah. it's challenging, right? Yeah. Uh, and and again. My my point here, and this is, and I, I want to be careful here. The point here is not, oh, you know, that that person's terrible, right? That's no, not my no, point. No. The point yeah, here is, here again, you have you. a system issue, right? right? You have a system issue, which is yeah. what we have is a, a, an isolated provider who's right. trying to do multiple things simultaneously. Yeah. It's impossible to do all of them simultaneously, right? It, it's not possible. Right. Have we systematically, as a system, I should say, stepped back to say, number one, do we have a problem? Right. Well, the answer is yes. Our problem is our diagnostics are delayed, right? Yeah. Number two, why do we have this problem? Number three, what solution are we going to propose? The solution of, hey, you know, tie up your, your sneakers, right, and run a little bit faster is not is not the solution, right? Right, <laughs> right? yeah. Um, but that aspect of it, right, if it was going on, at least, you know, I wasn't aware that that process was right. going on. All I had on the front line was when I order stuff, it may or may not get read, and it may take X number more days than I'm used to, right? right? This may be going on. So that was that was an issue. Another issue that was happening in that place was uh, they would have uh, the emergency room do the place. So for nighttime admits that would come in, sometimes mm -hmm. they would call me, and sometimes they would have the emergency room doctor write the orders, right? Okay. Okay, now you say, well, that's not such a bad thing, right? And what is, um, pardon the okay. layman's question, so, but what is writing the orders Yeah, so when, it, when a person gets admitted to the hospital, uh -huh. right, there's a series of admission orders, right? Okay. And it can be however long, but it's basically the, the, the hospital, person providing care in the hospital, right, assesses the patient yeah. and decides what all, what do I think this is and what do we need to do about it, right? Okay. Okay, so the, the problem is that there's emergency room people yeah. who mostly handle outpatient stuff, right? Okay. You're walking in with your sore throat or your right. broken leg or stitches, and they fix that stuff for you, right? And they send yeah. you home. Uh, far few, few, most emergency room people don't do a lot of inpatient time, meaning mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't follow, even if they admit you to the hospital, right? They don't follow you over the X number of days that you need to be in the hospital. Right. They're not doing that aspect of it. Their job is acute right now, what's happening in this moment for the next couple of hours until I either move you somewhere else or I fix you and you go home, right? Right. Well, you know, in the in the in the mind of a lot of hospitals, a doctor is a doctor is a doctor. Meaning, we have a doctor here, and the doctor can do everything. Well, that's uh, not actually well. true. Right? Mm. It's not actually true. And I would say it's you can appreciate a little bit more if I said, well, I've never done brain surgery before, but I'm a doctor. Right? <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, clearly, huh. 
uh, I should be able to operate on your brain successfully, right? And, right. and you might have a problem with that, right? If I, <laughs> if I presented it Probably, to you yeah, that yeah. way, right? <laughs> but this is what we do. So we yeah. say, hey, well, you normally work in the emergency room. The emergency room is it's almost the hospital in some ways, right? So we can just have the <laughs> ER just do the, what the hospital does, right? This I is see. this is not uncommon, right? Yeah. This is this is an approach people take, and it's not again. It's not that the ER doctor couldn't get it right. It's not that they can't right. come close. It's that averaged over a bunch of people, right? You're going to have some folks that are pretty good at it and some folks that aren't very good at it because it's right. really not what they do, right? And right. they haven't done it for years. It's been a long time since they were anywhere near a residency program right. to do this, right? They didn't have any of this. But you're asking them to put on a very different hat. Mm -hmm. And why are you asking them to do this? Again, shortage situation, right. right? So you're saying, hey, we've got this one doctor out here. This is all we can afford to have out here, right? Yeah. We don't have any other night coverage, so we're going to have the ER doctor put in the orders, Right. So one of the ER doctors, you know, for example, there was a there was an older lady that came in with a low sodium, right? Uh -huh. So he put her on an IV fluid okay. at a very high rate that made her sodium drop even more, right? So when I walk in in the morning, she's having a seizure, right? <laughs> right? And I'm like, she survived, okay? Yeah, so uh, yeah. she survived, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but. When I went in and looked at this, I was like, this was completely predictable and preventable, right? right? This right. never needed to happen. This lady didn't need to have a seizure. Yeah. What happened was the person writing the orders, whatever happened, right? Right. This was the wrong person to be doing this. Yeah. And it caused a harm. Wrong call. Right. Like, it was the yeah. wrong call yeah. and it caused a harm. Yeah. Uh, and, but why is this happening, right? Yeah. Well, it's happening because we don't have enough staff here. Right. So we're just making do, right, with whoever and whatever and this, we can put together. This might be a bigger question for yeah. later on, but what you just said, like, we don't have enough here. Yeah. Is that a money issue? Yes. Is that it? It's a money, well, or one supply. So one, one is geographic willing, isolation, like, right? You're yeah. in a town where it's, you know, not that many people are going to want to come there. Yeah. It's a small town. Okay. It's in a rural area. It's not so a lot of amenities. So the supply of medical help is possibly small. The list of people that want to come yeah. is, is relatively, yeah. and on a permanent basis, right? It's right. relatively short. There are people that will come out on a so-called local tenants basis, right? But you're going to pay a ton of money per hour, and that's prohibitive. Right. You can't do that forever because yeah. it's very expensive. Yeah. So you can get who you get, um, but it, when you're talking about sort of a stable long-term situation, the list of candidates is usually usually short. Yeah. So you can't get them that way, right? And then okay. on top of that, uh, you know, even the ones that you get, right? In, in some cases that, that, you know, you don't have, you don't have the pick of, you know, there's, there's 300 applicants for this job, right? right. You have two, right? right. <laughs> or one, right, right. right? So you're like either yes or no. Either yes or no, <laughs> yeah. right? And it kind of doesn't matter you necessarily. Need somebody. You, if you got to have a person there, you got to have a person there, mm -hmm. right? And so whether they have all the experience you would want or whether it's optimal, you know what I mean? You can't be that yeah. picky in an environment of shortage. And so this is, Again, this is really a system problem, right? And so the yeah. issue it, later on, right, one of the motivations to start the, the virtual care, yeah. right, in, in rural was a realization that, okay, what did we need to not have that lady have a seizure? Right. What we needed was uh, somebody that was available that knew the right thing to do. Right. That's what not we Not an right? ER doc, but someone who was a right. more... Or not like, that ER doc, whatever it was, yeah, right? Yeah, right? But, yeah. Especially aside, like... We needed someone in the, in, in the proper position who was yeah. available at that time to mm. make a better decision for that right. patient, right? That is what we needed, and we didn't have it. And we didn't have it yeah. because in that context at that time, the only way to get a doctor there was to physically trans, you know, transport right. a physician to the place. But in reality, that's not true, right? Mm. Those, the correct decision could have been made with just the data. 
If you just had the lady's story in her labs and whatever else, you could have known, and that's probably a poor choice, right? We right. Either not do that without right? ever actually without even without even being there, her, right? Yeah. But this is just like a mind blowing concept mm. to to many people in healthcare, and certainly to many hospitals, right? Yeah. That, that you, what you need is the right mind in the right place, not necessarily the body. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily the body, but many hospitals have opted for I want the body. Right. Right. If I have the person here in front of me, that's clearly the right thing to do, but it's right. not because if they don't have the right knowledge their body being there doesn't actually help your patient anyway, right. but it makes you feel better because you have filled a staffing spot, right? Mm. So there again, we had we had a system problem, right? Yeah. That was going on where the care was worse than it should be because of that. I'll use even myself as an example, right? So I'm here as a brand new graduate, right? Yeah. And the problem that, that happens a lot of times is when you go out into a smaller environment, right? You, in some cases, you may be the most knowledgeable person in your, in your little tiny environment, right? Right. That doesn't mean you know everything. Right. Definitely. <laughs> it just means you're the most knowledgeable person in, in this there, environment, yeah. right? You may be a, a you may be a, a small fish in an even smaller pond, right? Right. <laughs> right? You know, and this is the problem, right? And yeah. so, it, just to give you an example. Like when I think now, I think back to you know some of the some of the decisions that I made then, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you know, I probably I, I should you know now now knowing what I know now, I would have done something different in that situation, right? Right. It wasn't necessarily that somebody was hurt by it or whatever the cases, mm -hmm. but it's like. I could have probably gotten to the end of that case faster. Right. Right. Well, uh, like you've mentioned on like, like, you know, House, the show, yeah. how mm -hmm. ridiculous it is. Um, when we were chatting earlier last week, I think you mentioned like he would have needed to have 20 fellowships and right. like, you know, all these different things <laughs> right. to know the amount of knowledge that he knows. Yes. And it's like, that's a great example for lay people, I feel like, where it's like we're given this thought of like, oh, our doctor knows all of this. Right. And then we see something very different in the room. Yes. Often because it's a very short amount of time right. that we're with a doctor anyway. So yes. we really don't even know what they know. Yes. So there's this dichotomy of like expecting house yes. <laughs> and then getting an ER doc who's yes. treating you in a different way or something. And then that being a frustrating thing where you're like, well, you're supposed to know this much. And right. it's like, really, it's somewhere in the middle is true yes. for someone coming out of residency and becoming, you know, an attending physician, it's mm -hmm. like, you, we shouldn't expect a doctor in that realm to have that much knowledge, right? right? But right. I think what you said before of the laziness piece, mm -hmm. like, that's the big piece that I see. I'm from a small town also, mm -hmm. and so that I've had really good instances with some of our doctors who followed us through all mm -hmm. of our, I mean, until I moved out of that town, my parents mm -hmm. still see these people, but it's like, because they were the ones that similar to you have dug in mm -hmm. and been really curious about things mm -hmm. more than either feeling like they know everything right. themselves. And like, you know, it's like when they, I feel like as a, as a patient, I've been so interested in a doctor whenever they've shown interest in me where mm -hmm. they're like I don't I don't know let me I'm going to do some research on this mm -hmm. I'm like okay I respect that answer like because if you knew everything at the start yeah. then I mean why why couldn't you just why couldn't I just call you yes. <laughs> and I mean the answer that sometimes is you can though mm -hmm. right and so that's where can you talk a little bit about the the rural just briefly because we haven't really talked before about mm -hmm free state mm -hmm. very much. Yeah. And so can you give a brief synopsis for our listeners of what the rural side of the free state mm -hmm. piece is? Yeah, I mean, originally, so originally the, the, the formulation of free state was to try to address some of these issues, right? So it yeah. was to say, let's use virtual technology yeah. to provide more reliable and potentially greater expertise yeah. Uh, in terms of more reliable coverage and potentially greater expertise to small towns that otherwise would not have easy access to it. Yeah. That was the basic concept. 
And this was before other telemedicine opportunities yeah, had yeah. really this, risen, this was, right? This started in 2014. Yeah. Um, so it was before it was a hot topic or anything like that. And the the point was also to reduce the cost of care. So to give you an example, a lot of rural facilities, you know, they might be paying two, three hundred more uh, more dollars an hour, right, to have somebody come out, but they didn't in have person. in person yeah. right, to have yeah. someone come out in person, but they didn't have the patient volume, right. And then on top of that, they had the restriction of they could only get who's someone that wants to come there, who's also actually available at that time, right. and is able you know able to do the travel, right? Yeah. So the the list of candidates is actually fairly small, right? Right. And then you didn't necessarily have control over the quality at all. It went on of, of what went of on, and there were people who that, was who was coming, coming, who's actually yeah. coming to yeah. you, right? Uh, this was this was a, a you know this was the problem. Yeah. Uh, so you're paying a ton of money in a, in a way that at a price that's unsustainable for you long term as a facility. Hmm. You don't have the patient volume for it. You have no control over the the true quality or expertise of the person that's coming in. Yeah. Right? Especially if they're coming in on kind of a you know, random one off basis, right? They come and do a week a year or something. You know what I mean? You gotcha. can't see them on enough. Is that pretty common in rural Quite areas common. to oh, have yeah, like? Yeah. Absolutely. Visiting docs that very, are very just common. Yeah. Short, super short yeah. term like that. And you know, here again to kind of take it back to mm. my experience then. So one thing that happened, I, I never forget this. I had a guy come in uh, to do to do a coverage for me on a weekend, right? Yeah. Over that weekend he killed two of my patients. Straight up. Yeah. He just he came wow. in, mismanaged them, I came back and they were dead, right? <laughs> one of the guys yeah, sorry, it's that I uh, one of the guys, I mean, I came in to get silent sign out from him. Yeah on Sunday night. And he said, oh yeah, you know, this gentleman's been here. Uh, you know, he's real sleepy. You know, he's real sleepy. Yeah, we, should, you know, we haven't been able to wake him up, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, he's real sleepy. Like, how long has he been asleep? Oh, since, you know, Friday. You know, he really hasn't, I, I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> the guy's been asleep since Friday? Like, what have, you, what have you done? Oh, no, you know, he's just real sleepy. You know, we just say, I think he has a urinary tract infection. I think that's what's going on. You know, but he was an admitted patient to the he was hospital. An admitted patient, yeah. And I'm like, you think he has a urinary tract infection, but he's been unresponsive since Friday. It's now Sunday night. Oh my god! And you haven't done anything with him, anything at all, nothing, right? The guy, wow. the guy died, right? The guy died. He had he had a massive stroke. Oh my Complete, all completely missed. Nothing was. He didn't have a urinary tract infection instantly, and the data was very clear. Actually, when you looked yeah. at the lab, it was very clear. He never had that in the first place, right? This was a locums who they'd brought in, right, to provide me with respite for a weekend, right? So this is my point, wow. right? So I'm here as the, the main guy yeah. working all around the clock and getting called, right? So every now and then they try to give you a break by bringing somebody in, right? So they brought yeah. in this, this person, and this is what he did. And I forget what the other case was, but it was very similar where it was just, wow. from a medical perspective, what, what the decision-making was just, just indefensible. It was just absolutely indefensible, right? And these and, are regularly practicing doctors yes. from elsewhere mm -hmm. that are leaving that their person practice. Was actually, for... That person was a fellow in a, in a training, in a special subspecialty training program, right, from the Midwest region. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was a fellow at that time. This, was, this is what went on, right? And so wow. I was like, wow. Okay, this is... A, like, this is just terrible. Like, yeah. This, this I mean, is any just repercussions terrible. for this, like, for that doc no. of, like... Does Nothing. that well? The, what the repercussion was, you know, like, I, I talked to the hospital and said we can't ever have this guy back. Right, right. we can't ever come back. Uh, Does that did follow, follow him though? No. To other like, no, it doesn't. No, man, it doesn't. It goes to the company that brought him in. Huh. If they choose to ignore it or not to do anything with it, if they choose to book him for future assignments. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea what they chose to do. Yeah, but if they choose to do that, and there is a strong financial incentive to choose to do that, that's a whole discussion of the locum tenens industry, which is different. Strong okay. financial incentive to choose to do that. There will be, unless you file a formal complaint, like you, you put, you know, yeah. file something on their license or whatever the case right. is, this stuff, this stuff just goes nowhere. That's the end. Which would that have to be like families? 
pursuing well, no, there'd be, a lawsuit So there could be families that would pursue a lawsuit or it could be, you know, the, the, the facility or somebody could like yeah. file a report with the, with the state, right, to try to say, hey, here's, you know, we have a yeah. complaint against this. That's a, that's a lengthy and often complex process, right? And so a mm-hmm. lot of times stuff like this just kind of goes on. It just kind of goes on. Wow. And that's if it's even detected, right, which is a whole other yeah. issue. Sometimes it's not detected. Right in the first place, nobody even realizes what went on because it's just like, oh yeah, this patient had a urinary tract infection, and then went to sleep, and yeah. then died. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, it's that's you know, the story that gets that's the story. Down. That's the story like, that goes on, right? And we, you know, it was just terrible, and who knows what happened, right? But you know, just, hmm. it was just you know, it's probably their time yeah. to go, and so you know, it was just their time. That was the, that was the end, right? Hmm. So there again, it's yeah. an example of you have a system problem, right? Yeah, you have a shortage of people. You you brought in who you brought in. They're not doing a great job. You have a back end. You have a forward facing system problem, which you described, which is. Uh, this person doesn't seem to do a good job of managing in this situation. Right. Is there any monitoring of that? Does anybody know about it? Right. Is there any feedback given? Is there any additional education? Has anybody investigated any other work? Because I'm like thinking about like Catholic Church. You yeah. know, the priests that yes. have done yep. egregious acts have yep. then continued to yes. be shuffled to other places. And yes. I'm like, you're talking about traveling doctors who are hired for a week at a time. Yes. Very easy to not have oversight. There of is that. an element like, of that in medicine with with absolute certainty. Yes, there is. There's an element of people wow. know. People know. Yeah. But it's too hard to jump through the all the process, hoops to well, have anything happen. So there's several or, different things. One is it's hard to jump through the hoops. Two, it becomes very political very quickly. Right. Yeah. You start burning the house down. Right. Mm-hmm then, you know, that can get really ugly really fast, right. right? Now you're getting dragged into stuff and it's very, you know, and and the, the fraternity of physicians is relatively small, right? right. In any given communities, everybody yeah. kind of knows everybody or, the, you know, there's some right. relationships. You see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's very similar. So it's like, well, you know, yeah, you know, that was done wrong, but, you know, there's probably some extenuating circumstance. Oh, you know, it's not that bad. Hmm. A lot of that goes yeah. on. Uh, and part of the reason a lot of that goes on is is some of it is the politics and stuff I've described. Some of it yeah. is also the longer you practice, you develop some mercy because you also make mistakes, right? Of, of course. You, you try yes. not to hopefully right. not make mistakes that ridiculous and that right. egregious, right? But you make mistakes, right? right? Um, and as you do that, you start to say, well, okay, you know, I, I there's would, mistakes, but then there's gross negligence. Yes, yes like, there's a difference, right? Yeah. And, and I would describe that really as, as gross negligence, yeah. right? But, uh, or the, what I just described yeah. as gross negligence, right? But, but you make mistakes, and as you do that, I think it's true for human life in general, right? You, you, you go through your life, and you mess things up, and you become more merciful, right, right. as time goes on, right. as you get older. And that's true. The problem is you don't have a way to know is this a pattern of behavior? Right. Or is this just somebody had a really bad day, right? Right. You have no way, because I, I I don't know this person that's right. come in. I've well, ne- and you're I've not even there, like right. at the same time that they're there. This is the issue, right? So I don't yeah. know what went on that I didn't even know about, right? right? The patient came in and left before I got here. I don't know about any of right. that. I don't know about any of their past practice habits. Right. Right. So I don't have any baseline to know them. And so it makes it very hard to say, well, is this, again, a one-off situation? Hmm. Or is this somebody that really shouldn't be doing this? Right. Right. And is this happening in multiple places that they're traveling this year? And the answer is nobody, to my knowledge, knows that information. It is knowable information, but nobody knows that information in in actual reality. This is is one of the problems, right, that goes on. And, And even, I will say, even when we do know it, even then, that's when you get into the politics and right. all the other stuff that goes on where Being people able to do something about get it. around, uh, you know, and yeah. nothing really exactly happens and they just sort of keep going. Yeah, yeah. That, that also goes on. 
and it tends to go on most often in smaller environments, again, where there's fewer eyes, right, right, watching things and fewer people that know, but it goes on all over. It's not like the, all the small places mm -hmm. are the only ones that have that problem. That's interesting. Um, we're about out of time, but I want to ask, because I know that from there, yeah. you went to Seattle, right? I did, Is that yeah, right? but I, I should add, before um, we jump to yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like if we have the time, um, one other system story okay, this, yeah, that please. happened in this. So there was also a patient, he's a young man who came in for a tonsillectomy. Okay. Went very badly. Uh, he starts bleeding out. Uh, and he died, right? He died yeah. from this. But, but as part of this process, before he died, um, they were trying to get an airway on him and everything was just filled with blood and it took a very, very long time. So he took, a, he took a, an oxic injury to his brain. Right. Mm. So this is by any, this is a tragedy, right? I mean, this is What just, is oxic injury? I'm sorry. So he didn't get enough oxygen supply to his okay. brain for too long, right? Yeah. So in this situation, at that point in time, right, um, at that point in time, there was some question about, you know, could you do, uh, basically, could you cool the body down, right, yeah. to try to stave off some of the worst, the injury, right. you know, and, and, and the evidence on it wasn't great even then, right, we kind of knew it wasn't great. But yeah. so here I am, I'm in this, this small hospital, right, yeah. isolated from everybody. Uh, and I'm like, I've got a 30-year-old here who is dead now, right, due to a surgery gone wrong. Yeah. Um, I need to send him somewhere bigger than here, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, if he's going to have any, any chance, right, of survival, uh, he's got to be somewhere other than here with me in a place with limited resources, right? right? And I called all over the place, and I got turned down. Over, uh, well, For, like, know. medevac kind of situation? Yeah, yeah, no, I tried or, to call other yeah. hospitals and say, like, will you please take this guy? Yeah. Right? Uh, the... The runaround, I spent hours and hours and hours getting run around on the phone. Well, you know, we don't know. I mean, you know, the evidence on, you know, um, hypothermia in this situation is really not good. So I don't know that we'd really have anything to offer him, right? And I'm like, he's 30 and he's going to die, right? <laughs> and I don't have anything here to address this with. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know that we could help him in our massive, you know, quaternary referral center. We don't even could help him. Well, you know, we might take him, but, you know, I need to have my subspecialty service really on this also. And they need to agree to take him first before I would take him, you know, because if they're not going to agree to do this, so you need to call them and then get them to approve. And then if they approve, then you can call me back and then we can have another discussion about this right and meanwhile right this guy has taken a brain injury and the clock i'm just watching yeah, the clock tick ticking. right and i'm trying to call around and i can't i either can't reach people they don't call me back when they call me back they give me a runaround they give me a denial that's just based on they really just don't want him yeah. coming there to die that's the, the real answer yeah. right? Uh, and there's no thought in any process of this that this is a person who has just had a tragic event happen to them as a result of exposure to the healthcare system right right a routine a routine I mean, procedure surgery, that, that yeah. usually goes well right yeah. it didn't go well in this case right yeah um but there's no there's no coordination there was no way for me to know who had beds available everything was done in a manual process right? i had to sit yeah. there and say okay i'm going to call this place then i'm going to call that place then this one 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 right and then right. i'm going to get a wide variety of responses yeah right and so i spent three plus hours right just begging to try to get this this patient transferred to somewhere that could do anything for him wow. more than what I could do, right? Here again. And there's, so there, like, hearing you say yeah. that, mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, I'm shocked that there's not a place that is, like, your go-to place of, there's, like, there's not this even, is a bigger hospital the, than this. Oh, they're a big bigger brother, yeah, you, and we'll, we always send patients here. You like, can try, not, yeah, yeah, but they, they, they may not have beds when they It's just, not like they, our regular They may not accept. Though, they just that, may not accept. Yeah, wow. this is very common, right? So they yeah. just, they'll come up with a reason hmm. not to accept. 
right? This is extremely common to see, right? There'll be a reason not to accept. And so you on the, in the small hospital, right, on the rural side, are stuck with a patient that you know you can't help. Wow. But no one will take them for any number of reasons on their side. But I'm so, assuming that the main one's not lack of beds. Or at like, that time it was, is, now it is. is These days right, it is. Right, but that, but, no, yeah, back then it was yeah. not lack of beds. They had plenty of beds. They had plenty yeah. of staff. They had plenty of beds, right? It'd be various other reasons that they would come up with to not take the patient. Is there some sort of financial like penalty or advantage to not having people die in your hospital? Yes, like, is uh-huh. that a yeah, yeah. So if your death, if your death rate, if your death rate is too high, right, that's bad. You so don't they're like, like that. hesitant, uh-huh. maybe mm-hmm. on some of these. Yes. To yeah. If you're going to take, if you're going to take one that's probably going to die, right, that that may or may not affect your statistics. Isn't and, that against a doctor's oath? Yes, it is. In many, yeah. Yes, it is. But it, yet it's a statistic to which payment yeah. is tied, right? So right. so this is a consideration that goes on. What insurance the patient has is yeah. a huge consideration, right? You get that question they almost that all the time. They know that ahead of time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there are places they will not, they don't want to talk to you unless the patient has the right. So they'll do a financial analysis really? before they will accept the transfer. It's not a question of what can we do for them medically. Wow. It's how would this be paid for by anybody, right? And if it can't be paid for, then you know, don't call us, right? We don't care if we have a bed or not. Like we're not going to be able to accept that patient. And wow. the answer is because they don't have the right insurance. Right, and like, if the this. patient was to yeah. walk into their ER, yeah. they'd have to. They'd have to. But they'd be obligated to by law. To come from another uh-huh. hospital, That's like correct. they have to re- receive correct. them. That is correct. They have wow. to receive them. And I mean, so reasons reasons can be as uh, as bad as that. Yeah. Sometimes it's also just you know the doc on the other side is just having a bad day. They're just overloaded and busy, right? I mean, this yeah. is these yeah. are real things. Right. right? These are humans on the other are, side. Yeah. They're tired, and right. they're like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. This is going to be a train wreck of a case. It's going to be very difficult. I've already. I'm on my tenth admission for the day. Right. I, right. I have too much already going on here. This is just I just don't want to deal with it. Right. So I'm going to come up with an excuse to punt this case. Right. And you say, again, from the perspective of an outsider, you say, well, that's ridiculous. Right. That this shouldn't be the case. You know, they, right. that why why would you you're, you're jeopardizing the life of my family member. Right. Because right. you're tired. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And that's not wrong. Right. That's that's not a wrong emotion. The problem is the opposite side of it is also true. Right. They're on their they're on their tenth straight admission. They're getting beaten into the ground. Right. They don't have adequate support on their side. They're usually right. dealing with an electronic medical record that makes their life even more miserable. Right. Mm-hmm. So. But wh- really frustrating to have that whole situation. Yes. Right. I mean, on either end. Like this is the problem, right? Yeah. So you again, these are all. These aren't individual problems, right? right? It's not like, oh, that's a that was a bad doctor right. on that receiving you facility side, right? <laughs> right. Or it was yeah. a bad doctor on this side. Yeah. These are system issues where there's a there's a total lack, to give you an example, there's a lack of collaboration. So for right. example, we should know which beds are available where across right. at least across the state. Yeah. At least across the state. Yeah. Every hospital that has an open bed should be in a database somewhere that we can just go right. to and be like, St. So and so's. They got a bed. They got an ICU bed that's open right now. Right, I can right. I can apply for that to get my patient. That type of that type of information should be shared. It is not shared. Right, mm. what resources this place has versus that place has should be open information. It is not shared. Right, really. So you call them and you don't know necessarily. You assume they have X yeah. specialty or Y diagnostic machine. You don't actually know that. Yeah. So instead, you have to go through the process of calling them to find somebody. Find it out. Right. Or more often these days, and you like go it's you, to find it's yeah. you calling, right. which is you, amazing yes. to me. Like to hear that, where I'm just like, wow. So yes. my doctor, when yep. I'm not. Right. Like when I'm waiting for that crucial yes, move, it's like correct. he's yeah. in the other room yes. doing this. Yeah, like, in, in yeah. small environments, that's absolutely the yeah. case, right? Even a bigger, you know, still, it's somebody, some member of the yeah, healthcare some, team, right, is, is making the call yeah. to try to do this or calling around to try. And then you still have to do your, you know, you have to do your doc to doc checkout, right? Right. Describe those things. I mean, all of this is happening, and you're, you, you look at it and say, this is all chaos, right? And it's yeah. chaos because, yeah, these hospitals all have different ownership, right? right? Um, they have different electronic medical records. 
uh, they have different staff right. that often have no connection to each other whatsoever. Right? right. And there is no attempt to collaborate anywhere, unless they're all in the same system with the same ownership. There right. is no attempt to collaborate between any of them ever. And COVID, which we saw many years yeah. later, just highlight, just put a huge spotlight on, right, on, on what that. a disaster it is when you have 15 different actors, none of whom know what the other is doing right. in many cases, right? And are, are not collaborating in any obvious ways yeah. to decide how to use the resources that we have efficiently. Right. Well, I mean, in one way, not that it was positive I, I, in many ways, but in the public's knowledge, at least, like during COVID, it was an interesting part because we were getting regular news updates of yes. our hospitals mm -hmm. of how many beds, right. you know, what percentage <laughs> right. were full and what were empty. And yeah. I was... Thinking that when mm -hmm. I was reading these stats where mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know how this compares yep. to normal yep. because we've never been given this information before. Yep. You know, and so I think that that's, like you said, it's shined a spotlight, I think, for the public mm -hmm. as well in a way that it was like it started to make me question those things. of Like, what? Well, yeah, I don't this is I can see the stats now, but yes. I, I don't know what this is compared to except last week, mm -hmm. COVID stats right. <laughs> and then the week before COVID stats. <laughs> but like prior to COVID, like what were the stats? Yep. Because. I have no idea, yeah. and I, I didn't need to know necessarily before, but it is an interesting piece where it's like, you know, we have such transparency of information in a lot of realms mm -hmm. of our lives, right. um, and you would think that at least between institutions that mm -hmm. there would be some sort of yeah, piece to that, <laughs> but no, not at all. Usually there Sounds is not. Like Usually there's not. Yep. All right. Well, that is our time. Next time we'll be talking about your trip to Seattle and mm -hmm. what that was like. I honestly, I you've told me that you were at a referral center. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that is. So <laughs> we're about to find out. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Elisha. Thank you, guys.